0: You know what i mean they they came out and they, they kicked down doors and then based off the back of that you had the likes of dizzy rascal uh kano wiley Skepta, all that early grime kind of thing that was just yet yeah, again so big on the streets that labels ended up signing it because it was so popular with the young generation
1: hip hop hustle podcast man you heard it here first he's not playing no aaron's not playing no fucking game yeah.
0: You got
1: your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they give me nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate
0: the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout
1: out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up, man? All right, there we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm super excited about my next guest. Hailing all the way from the UK, uh, I think you're the first person I've interviewed from the UK. And to be honest, I've started at a pretty good level. I've got the one and only Harry Shoda, who is making some absolute waves in the UK, but also globally. I know you did a a tour to New Zealand as well. So you've done tours internationally. um, And one of the most impressive things that I saw when I was, you know, again, becoming used to your music and getting used to grime in general is you got a track animal which actually beats a world record of mms uh for rap God he had the most uh words I think it's the most words in a song and that is overtaken by the very man who I'm speaking to right now but extremely accomplished artist so definitely make sure you check him out but it's a pleasure to have you on the show
0: no, it's good to be here, man. Like I said, been um, chatting to you back and forth on the Instagram for quite a while now. So it's good to finally make it happen, man.
1: And um, where were you where are you based, man? I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, so okay, yeah, I've been to Melbourne yeah. before. Yeah. Mm. Well, it, it's one of those things, it's weird because like, you know, it's so it's so interesting to me because like Australia has such an affinity for hip-hop. It's starting to really grow and all types of hip-hop. It's not just, you know, classic American hip-hop, but I think, you know, grime is underrated in what it brings to the table. Like I started listening to grime probably maybe eight years ago or something like that. Like, you know, you started with people like Skepta and Wiley, and then you start to really get into it and start to understand where it comes from. But the roots are so interesting, much like in the U.S.,
0: no, definitely, man. I mean, obviously, with me, I come from almost the lineage before Grime, which is drum and bass and jungle. That's kind of what we do, man. Do you know what I'm saying? When we're doing most of our shows, it's drum and bass jungle music, which inspired the likes of Dizzy. Even Skepta said the other day, one of the first lyrics he ever learned was a skibbity lyric, which is a drum and bass MC. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of gone from sort of sound system culture in the UK. People doing the reggae things, people doing the jungle thing, people doing drum and bass, then to grime and obviously garage. And now you've got the whole drill, drill movement, which is huge over here as well. And it's just a massive like lineage of different sounds that have all added onto each other and just added onto the culture, man. And hip hop's always, you know, the main backbone, the main influence to everything we do. I always say it's just like drum and bass and grime. They're like cousins of hip hop. They're offshoots from the tree. You know what I mean? It's just that it's, just it's our own spin on things rather than just copying what the Americans do. Or, you know, that sort of one of my favourite sounds, but the boom bap sound, adding our own thing to it and putting that little
1: spin on it. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember what it was that attracted you to hip-hop originally? Because it's like there's there's one thing to love hip-hop, but then there's another thing to adapt it and make it your own. I think they're both very different challenges, but, like, what did you enjoy being exposed to that type of music?
0: Oh, man, when I first heard hip-hop, I was just blown away by it. I was exposed to it at quite a young age as well. I was six when I first heard someone rapping and I, I was just like what is this it just blew me away man I, and i would just, just go in my sister's room my sisters were into more like um soul and RB and that kind of stuff but certain people were playing hip-hop tunes and rap tunes in that kind of mixture as well and when i heard some of the stuff i was just enchanted by it, man i'd be up in my sister's room going through her tapes causing havoc in there do you know what i mean and she didn't want me in her room but i was like i've got to listen to this music so in the end she actually bought me a hip-hop record and from that moment on i was hooked man i started selling all my toys to buy albums I was just like, I didn't, I didn't need the toys anymore. I would got some broken down old record player that I bought, what we call a boot fair over here. And every week, every, like my nan would give me five pounds and I'd go and spend, you know, that money on whatever hip hop I could find at the time. And maddest thing was as well, when my nan lived, there's a shop up, up the road, which actually sold imports as well. So You'd have to go up to London. I'm not actually from London, I'm just outside. But normally you'd have to go up to London to get hold of these records. But just up the road from where my nan lives was a shop that was actually bringing in a lot of the early hip hop, like the BDPs and, you know, the Public Enemies and that kind of era that like I suppose I was like kind of really into the, the era for me when I was pretty Kane, EPMD, Slick Rick, that 88 era. And obviously it went into the 90s, which is probably my favorite era of hip hop. You know, people will always argue which best the 80s or the 90s. And there's there's argument for both, man. But that 90s era for me of just, you know, like groups like Black Moon and that kind of vibe. And Wu-Tang, obviously, and Nas and Biggie. And that era was just like so inspirational to me in terms of hip hop. And it kind of guided me in terms of what I wanted to do lyrically and everything else. It was a very inspirational time, man.
1: Because like the first song that you hear or the first exposure to hip hop, you almost don't really understand it to begin with it's it's the sound Mm. it's the attitude it's the tonality it's like all the things you can't explain as a kid because you just haven't been exposed to number one music in general because you that people just haven't taught you how to listen to stuff and number two Mm. it's such a complex genre in terms of what it stands for what it means what people are talking about that it takes a long time before you can really recognize the lyrical side of it you're just listening to the sound and the feeling of it all
0: yeah, obviously when you first when you're that young and you just you're just just feeling the vibes, I would say that's what it is. You're feeling the vibes of the music, the phonetics. And then obviously when you delve deeper into the culture and what the messages people are putting into it. That's why KRS said years ago it's entertainment, man, what they were doing with what they back in the day, especially a lot of the rappers from that sort of conscious era, they were really like kind of teaching people around the world about all sorts of issues, man. And it was exposing the world to what was going on in, let's just say, New York and LA when it went sort of more to the, the West coast or whatever, do you know what I mean? And it was like, it was education of what was going on because we didn't have the internet then we didn't know what was going on in South Central. Like now, if you want to go, you can look at anything in the world and know what's going on through social media, whether that's a good or a bad thing, a bless or a curse, you know what I mean? But you can actually get that information. Whereas back then, I got most of my information. Obviously, I went to school and stuff, so I kind of got what they taught me at school and everything as well. But I got a lot of information and a lot of sort of what I believe in and everything else through hip-hop and through that culture. So it's, it's a form that, yeah, when you first listen to it, you just like I said you're feeling a vibe. You might feel just feel the energy. You might hear a Wu-Tang record and just feel the energy of that. But then you start to dig deeper into what they're talking about on, on certain records and everything else and the deepness of you know their whole their whole belief system in the five percent and all this and like and, and stuff that Rizza writes about in his books and all that. And there's some real deep knowledge going on within that music man. And you start to gradually like sort of go a little bit deeper. You know, I mean, when I was when I was listening to people like Public Enemy and BDP, I started to, you know, go and read the books as well. You know, I mean, actually do my own research into what they were talking about. So very educational, man, and, and just a beacon of light in the world that's obviously gone global, man. I mean, you're sat there in Melbourne. I'm here in the UK and we're talking about it right now. Connected with it. You know what I'm saying? So very powerful tool, man.
1: Remember what it was like as a kid? like compared to all your friends did you try show your friends did you you know did yeah. you go like this is gold that i found did they or did they like respond at all
0: yeah i was i was very much like that man i, I was like i used to like rap in the playground all the time so because it wasn't as mainstream as it is now People would always be, ah, like, oh, please do a rap, do a rap, and like after a while, I was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna have to charge you a bit of money. So I started hustling, rapping in the playground for a bit of change and stuff as well, which was good, man. And um, but then there were certain people I connected with, like one of my best friends to this day. He just felt it the same way I did. Well, we was probably the only two. And as we got older, more people kind of gravitated towards the music. It started to get a bit more mainstream. It was more acceptable to listen to it and everything else. Do you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, when he was a kid, man, it was it was quite special because it wasn't you know now. Everyone, if you're talking about, you know, a Kanye or whatever, you know, whatever, these are like, broken through. This is basically, I'm not saying the music's pop, but they are pop status, whereas the stuff we listened to was a little bit underground. It was a little bit, you, you had to, you couldn't just find it on a normal radio station. They weren't playlisting it back then, do you know what I mean? Even MTV wasn't trying to show the videos. You know what I mean? You had your Yo MTV raps and that was about it. But that was good because obviously that was like something we used to get on the channel called Sky over here. And it was every day, man. Like it was every day, half an hour, Yo MTV rap American hip hop videos on the weekend, Fab Five Freddie would interview someone. So that was another way we got the information once MTV actually opened the doors. But you know it's been a, it's been it's been a mad journey man i've been listening to hip hop and still listen and love it to this day man i think there's there's still great music out there some people will argue that it's it's all mumble rap and all that but i don't i don't agree with that at all i think there's loads of great music out there and loads of great artists who are, who are doing their thing and sometimes hip hop's always been as well i would say there's always been different facets and styles there's always been it's needed a balance do you know what I'm saying? If it's all just one thing, that's not what it's been about. You know I mean? You gravitate towards whichever area you like more, which is, which is fine. But to call something totally whack and rubbish just cause it's like energy music or it's not lyrical, let's say is, 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 is not really um, how I would look at
1: it. You know what I mean? I try and take I, like tools and stuff from all the sounds. I 100% agree with you. I mm. think that whatever people like people like, and mm. it's, Different different music for different occasion. You know, I I don't listen to you know 90s boom bap when I'm having a party because it's not nah. the same vibe. But I'll put yeah. on some trap shit and I'll put on some, you know, party vibes and I'll put and it's just whatever suits the vibe. And you can like it all. You don't have to be like, I only like this. And to be honest, yeah. and I when you said, you know, you don't want it to stay the same, that is one hundred percent correct. You yeah, don't want it yeah. to stay. That's what happened with (laughs) other genres.
0: No, exactly. And that's the beauty of the music. If it fits whatever mood, you know what I'm saying? There's, this is hip hop for all occasions, I would say. Do you know what I'm saying? If you're just on the chill out vibe, Tribal quest, you know what I mean? If you want to get amped, Wu-Tang, if you want to throw in some party vibes, like you said, some of the trap vibes and that, you know, future, whoever there's there's so much you can gain from the music if you keep an open mind. And it's, it's a shame where people just become, they call themselves like a, a backpacker or oh, now they're just into the drill thing. They don't fuck with like the, the East Coast sound or whatever. They should just keep it open mind, man, because there's, there's great music in each what you would call subgenre of hip-hop to me
1: man i just think like yeah you can have your preference as to what's your favorite but yeah. like you can dabble in it and especially with like boom bap and like 90s hip-hop that era is not here anymore so mm. if you limit yourself to that you actually don't get any new music like you're only listening to a an era of music that was 20 years ago yeah like I why mean, would you limit would yourself you
0: say- no, you're right. I agree with you totally, man. Something like, so in terms of Boomback not being around now, would you not say like a Griselda is kind of bringing that sound back to a, to the new audience?
1: Yeah, but I think Griselda brings back the elements of 90s hip-hop, essence, but it's yeah. still not 90s hip-hop because no, the that sense, sound yeah. is better. They're still using, you know, synth machines. They're still using, you know, a lot of hi-hats, which is, they're still using elements of modern-day music to mm. make sure that their griminess is still palatable but it's not mm-hmm. using beats that were used in the nineties exclusively. Yeah. They're still making yeah, yeah. it like modern boom bath. They're still adding those extra elements to it. So yeah,
0: you're right, man. you're right. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. When you, yeah. Cause obviously when you listen to say an outcome is production compared to like a Buckwild production from that era, they, they are very different, even though it is sort of bringing back the essence of the loops and, and that the process of making it in that way, rather than creating it on a keyboard and more of a Swiss beats kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So but I think they're definitely bringing back the essence, man. Definitely bring back the essence. I think
1: the older, older guys are coming back, you know, Buster Rhymes dropped an album last year. That was really good. He brought, you know, again, a modern sound, but like mm. with interesting beats and he brought, you know, the essence of hip hop. Nas has had a resurgence. All these people oh, who.
0: Nas been- Nas, Nas, Nas's last three albums have been great, man.
1: Yeah, King's definitely Disease yeah. Two was my favorite. Yeah, me too. Of, of those, I was the one out of the three. Yeah, and you know, I think that I think it's just that those guys are showing us that age doesn't defi- define hip hop, but they're also showing that you need to develop. Like they're still oh, they're changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not mm. the same artists as they were in the nineties. They're not doing the same shit.
0: They can't be, and that's why I think that whole you mentioned Nas, for instance, him hooking up with Hip Boy someone who's a little bit more of this generation, but still has his foot kind of in that he knows about the past as well. You know what I mean? But hes, he's it's not like he's, a whole album with primo who i love but he's actually working with a producer that's a little bit more of this generation which brings out a new sound and a new vibe in him and that's and that's how it can carry forward man but i think what those guys are definitely doing they are showing that you don't have to retire from hip-hop at a certain age whereas before you know it was an ll or ice cube they would be like doing movies after their third or fourth albums because maybe they just didn't have the hunger and the passion anymore or maybe someone said it's a young man's sport man and it's not really your time to be rapping anymore whereas now you know, you look at, I mean, I, th- I think Conway like, is, is, is nearly 40 or something. Someone told me the other day, you know what I mean? And he's just blowing to a certain extent now. So I think the age thing has definitely changed over the years. Whereas back in the day, it was considered if he was rapping at 40, it, you, you shouldn't be rapping anymore. But I think that's changed now. I think the audience has grown as well, man. There's people who loved hip hop when they were young and they still love it now, whether they're 45 or even 50, you know what I mean? So the audience has grown with it as well.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was like a teenager, in a weird way in the nineties, it's kind of matured now to have it yeah. all. Like it's mm-hmm. just developed and all those mature guys are just like, I, and why would you want your favorite artist to retire at 25? Yeah. Like no one's in yeah. their prime at 25, even athletes get their like prime is between 25 and 30 ish. Cause you need yeah. time in sports. So like,
0: and it's if- like, yeah, if you take, I totally agree with you. And if you take someone like a Jay-Z, reasonable doubt he was rapping about his times in the streets, hustling. So that was that was that error. Then he'd make something like um what was the one we're talking about his relationship? for? what's it called the yeah, album?
1: The Carter four? No
0: not the Carter Four, the Carter. four nine nine
1: thing and it was like yeah, a, yeah. some number thing, like yeah, no yeah, idea yeah. Before, so, uh, I got, yeah, got but, confused well, he, with uh Lil Wayne. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he oh, did have, I think it? he had the Carters. Maybe I maybe yeah. I'm getting it wrong. And then but he had the track um was it uh, 666,
0: 666. I'm trying to find the Jay z album now that I'm talking about. It's 444, I think.
1: 444. 444.
0: Yes. So my point is that, like, from Reasonable Doubt, which came out, it says they're 1997 to 2017, he's going to be telling a whole different story, which he did on that album compared to what he went through before. He's a totally different person now. And I think that's the thing. As people grow, they can, if they, if they grow within their music and don't think they have to rap about the things they rapped about, 20 years ago, or they don't try and too much sound like what's going on now, then they can they can still have a place in the industry and be top of the game, man. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, I also think that what uh, Jay-Z did so well is he's on a different level to like 99.99% of people in the world. He's a billionaire. Mm. He's extremely successful. The roots that he came from, a lot of people are like, you don't live that anymore. But what he did really well was he brought human emotion into Mm. a struggle that people will ordinarily feel. I think that's what he does so well is like, Mm. despite his privilege right now, he still can share his humanity and can still share Mm. his flaws. And that's what he did in 444, the track where he talks about, you know, cheating on Beyonce and he apologizes and he goes through the emotions of the pain that I cause you and the shame that I feel where, and, and, and that is, an emotion that everyone can understand whether they go, go yeah. through it personally, they yeah, can still yeah. align with like shame and, you know, feeling responsibility and guilt and all those things. So I think that is development as an artist and you would want someone an artist to be like that.
0: Yeah. And I think he's aged well with it. Do you know what I'm saying? He's, and, and and he's not afraid to now show that vulnerability or, or say, a sorry on a record. God knows how many times he said it on that tune. You know what I mean? Because he, you know, he really makes you believe it. Whereas there's other rappers who still think they have to play a certain role, even if they're of a certain age. And they're the ones that don't maybe grow so well and develop so well and have such a long career because they're strictly based on an image of a tough guy or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think that's why his his maturity has shown through and he's managed to keep that audience and always elevate what he's doing, man. Like you say, it's a very special case in terms of rap and where he comes from and how long he's been here. Cause you've got to remember he was like rhyming with like big daddy Kane and people like that. And the jazz, who was one of the first quick time rappers, do you know what I'm saying? Going way back. So for him to still be in this pinnacle position now, whereas so many from his generation are still here. They might be touring they might be doing shows, but they're not regularly putting out music or regularly jumping on the hottest tunes and spitting verses of the year and all this kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? So hats off to the guy, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I just love seeing that people, they also weren't just stuck in hip hop, in music. Like when you mentioned Ice Cube, he was one of the first to show that you didn't have to just be a rapper, Mm. that you couldn't Mm. be a movie star. And he transitioned Mm. out of it. You know, Jay-Z made went from artist to business person and he's obviously still releasing music, but he's a businessman more than anything else. you got people like Mm. 50 Cent who used that as inspiration. He moved from music to obviously being more than that, a business person, you know, Mm. a TV executive. Like what it showed was that you didn't have to be put in one lane, that you could Mm. actually, you know, use hip-hop to get you out of where you were but that you mm. could also use it to elevate you to the next level in your career in the yeah. sense of there's no limitations, you know, Joe Biden, he's a podcaster now. He just does yeah. podcasts and, and that's it, and he's his it, career. Yeah. So and like. Good
0: really good at it. I love Joe Biden's podcast, man.
1: What <laughs> he's he's, he's really got nice. a great, he's got a great, like, he's got a lot of passion. He like, yeah. he, He doesn't pull any punches and he argues with people on his show i'm not a huge argumentative person so that's not my style but like when he fights the people on the show and he argues it's actually really entertaining
0: yeah it is man because you know you know it's like with him he could just blow up and be like that but in 10 minutes time he'll be bigging his friend up who's on the show with him whatever do you know what i mean he's like It's just his style, isn't it? And it's the passion. And then sometimes passion comes out that way in some people, man. But like you say, he's a great example of someone who's had quite a long career in hip hop and, you know, what he's done with the, you know, when he had the Spotify deal, I think that was one of the biggest deals at the time for podcasts, man. And then, you know, he broke down a lot of doors with that in terms of sort of fighting for the intellectual property and all kinds of stuff as well. So like you said, a lot of these guys, you know, they've transcended mad into business. Everyone would always mention your Diddy's, 50s, Jay-Zs, but there's others like the Rick Ross, you know what I mean? Even your Master P back in the day, who's done so much stuff outside of hip-hop. Like you say, Ice Cube went into the movie thing, even writing now and doing that. Dr. Dre with, you know, with the headphones. So there's so much 40, entrepreneurial stuff as well.
1: Yeah, and so many people are making their own labels now. You know, they're taking, yeah. you know, the inspiration of being independent but putting it in their own label. And Tech 9 was one of the very first to ever do that. mm so
0: yeah and he just like done his thing man it's it's huge what he did obviously chris calico was a big artist for him as well and i love i love tech man because he he just did done his own thing in his own lane yet again and didn't didn't wait for the majors or wait for anyone he just went out there and did it created an audience and created something that's a huge business do you know what i'm saying so man yeah these guys man they do their thing definitely
1: you look at people like that and see that as an inspiration for you. Obviously it's a completely different country. These people are in, it's a different landscape for them, Mm. but how do you use that to build your own career and your own steps into making you and finding you at the level that you want to be at, at the end, you know, there's always an end at some point, but do you use Mm. it as inspiration?
0: Yeah, man, definitely. Because I've, I've dealt with um, record labels in the past and, Publishing offers and all this kind of stuff. And what I found is it just slows you down. So when you're off that mode of someone like a Tech Nine who's a beast, who I've been inspired by myself in terms of the flows and patterns as well, because I do a lot of obviously, you know, the double time, fast fitting, but just what he's done with his thing, created put his own stamp on it, very inspirational for someone like me, man. Do you know what I mean? When, because I just, I sometimes, I don't know, man, these days I think the independent route is the way to go, man. Do you know what I mean? And even if you start off independent, and then you can get some leverage, and then you're not just coming to a label and they offer you a three sixty deal and trying to take everything you've got. You can at least kind of like balance it out and get a bit of deal out of them because you're coming to them with an audience. They haven't created your audience; you've created your own. So then they have to really come with the push or the right marketing ideas, or you know, even that they can open doors in terms of radio and playlists and all these kind of things that sometimes an independent artist can be a bit of a struggle. So they have obviously working with record labels and stuff; they have got that some advantages, but the main thing I love about being in is independent is I could record a song this week, shoot a video for it next week and it'd be out. And you know what I mean? You could you've got that control. You've got that, you can just bang out your stuff without having to ask an AR man and you know you deliver a tune, they say they want a singer on it or whatever else. You can just you've got you can control your own destiny. And that's what the likes of Tech Nine have obviously done and done very well.
1: Yeah. I mean it's so because I had this conversation recently with Flash, a previous guest on the show and he was also like, you know you get suckered into a 360 deal when you have zero money, zero leverage, and you can't push back to fight for anything that you want because yeah. you've got no leverage. And it's really that is like the more leverage you have in any deal, the better off mm. you're going to be and get a good mm-hmm. lawyer. Because, like, yeah. yeah, I watched King Richard the other day. Um, okay, the, yeah. the film about you know Serena and Venus Williams' father. Um, right, okay. yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. really more about him and, and the rise of Venus Williams and Serena's kind of in there as well, but it's, it's about that. And part of the movie ex- explores like, you know, when they're getting offers for, you know, deals with like mm. your Nikes and stuff like that and, mm. you know, and getting agent deals. And so that mm. world of like, you come from the streets, you've never had anything. Then they're offering you hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars, if not millions. That's why
0: it's hard to turn it down. And you might need it, man. You might have to take that publishing check. I mean, you, have, you might have to do it, but you might. <laughs> I've heard of so many cases, man, of people really regretting that down the line. But at the time, you know, you've got to pay the gas, you've got to pay the rent. You might have, you might have mouths to feed, you know what I'm saying? And there's suddenly even 20,000 £20, pounds or dollars is still a lot of money, but people are getting publishing for that for like five or six albums because they know these artists are in a state where they need the dollar. They need the check rather than to hold on to their independence and labels and publishing companies over the years have known this man. But these days with the, with the, you know, with the sort of the platforms you can get on and everything else, you can build up your own audience. If you're smart with it, you can actually get that leverage we're talking about, but yeah, man, it's I feel, I feel for them artists that take that check and then they blow up. And then this. I mean, there's a, there's all kinds of cases, big artists it's happened to man as well, but then they, then it swings and about you kind of think that they got on and made millions in other ways. Do you know what I'm saying? So sometimes you do need to just get put on and get your stuff out there. And um, it's
1: different for everybody, I guess, man. I think the challenge is as an independent, like mm. you have to do it all yourself and yeah, you, do. you could do it. Like you said, you can make the music shoot the vi- music video, send it out. But you're the one who makes the music, makes the music video, puts it out, does the promotion, does it all. So some people just don't have the skill set to be able to do it all. They, yeah. And, uh, you, and some people
0: just want to be creative as well. Some people, I don't mind doing some of the business stuff as well. I'm quite hands-on with what I do, but some people, they just literally all they want to do is go to the studio. They're, so they want, they need a team around them to make things work. And record labels sometimes can have a good team. Do you know what I'm saying? Whether it's the top marketing guy or they could have um, the, the access to the right sort of video directors, even stylists, these kind of things. Do you know what I'm saying? That sometimes an independent artist doesn't think about. So when he puts out his video, it powers in comparison to something on a record label where they've had this big team behind it. You know what I mean? But a lot of the time it's just the energy you bring, man. If you bring the right energy, you could outshine something with a big budget, even something that's raw. I've done videos of quite decent budgets and then I've done videos in the back of a car just spraying lyrics and they're the ones that have gone viral because they just hit people differently. It's just the rawness and the emotion of it. And it's just, you know, something you'd even plan on doing and it just ends up blowing up much more than a video you spent weeks planning. So You know, that's, 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 you never know. And the people always say this, the people always have the final say on stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? People can, I mean, they can kind of get you on the radio. They can kind of push you in the face and trying to, you know, manipulate the algorithms and all that kind of stuff. But if the people ain't feeling it, man, then it's not really going to go anywhere. Do you know what I'm saying? The people have to have the the say, man. It's like when I came into the drum and bass scene, I was brought in by two of the big heavyweights of the scene, but I had to hold my own. They put me on the stage, Big Love to Skibbidi and Funstar. But, you know, if I, if I wasn't bought on by them and if I didn't do my thing and the crowd weren't feeling it, all the bringings in the world still couldn't help you, man. Do you know what I mean? You've got to – the audience has got to be feeling it and gravitate to what you're doing and get some sort of connection to it, man.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that as a piece of advice. The audience yeah. and the consumer ultimately decides. And yeah, no matter do. how much money mm. you have, like how many movies have huge budgets and they flop because the consumers oh, are like, this sucks. Over and over,
0: man because that yeah, again i was talking to someone about this the other day you you might have amazing special effects a big team a big budget but if there's no story if there's no characters you can relate to on a human level then it all, it's, just, it's just a computer game it means nothing same way as like you know you could have these amazingly brilliant produced records there's no tune in there, if there's no heart in there, if the MC or the singer is not connecting emotionally with people, whether they're making people happy, making people dance, making them angry, teaching them something, if they're not connecting in that way, then the people are not going to resonate with it on that way. Do you know what I'm saying? And it will just it will just be here today, gone tomorrow, microwave kind of music or another film, another program. Do you know what I mean? But we know the things that stand the test of time and really resonate with people, have a lot more depth than that. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah,
1: man, it's all about the depth. Have you been approached by a label? Like, have, have labels reached out to you to be like, yeah, hey, would you yeah, consider that? I've, 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 I've had certain deals with labels
0: over the years, some sort of big independence. and uh, I was signed on a sort of development deal with Mercury Universal years ago, man. But this is sort of what I'm saying. Like, it, it was a struggle at that time with the music and getting them to understand it and sort of the real vision behind it and everything else. So... It was we parted amicably, and I just I'm just happy doing things independently, man. Do you know what I'm saying? And for me, it's quite nice because I do a lot of touring, and a lot of shows, so that's kind of where my main financial thing comes in. So I don't have to feel pressured to make a tune for the radio or a tune to fit certain things. I can just do my thing, and it it goes to the audience, and you know, it just it just works well for me organically. But um, yeah, man. But you know, it just depends. I mean, in the UK at the moment. There's a lot more A&R men and people in the industry that actually do understand the music. It's really changed over the last five, six years, man. There's people in positions now who do understand what's going on and and just let the artists do their thing. They're just good with marketing and stuff like that. So it's changed very much over the years, man. So I think the UK scene now, it's just it's getting better and better, man. There's younger's coming up now, and they're they're benefiting from sort of all the hard work other people have done throughout the years, you know. Like so, they're in a good position now to really capitalize on it. And if you look at this country, the UK, right now, like literally half our chart, half our pop chart, the mainstream chart is is drill, hip hop, Afro beats, kind of you know all derivatives of, of what we call hip hop. Do you know what I'm saying? So over here, right now. It is like pop music. Everywhere you go is, is hip-hop, drill, bashment, all this kind of stuff, and it's all kind of a melting pot of sounds that the UK have put together, and it's over here. It's like it's it's blowing up right now, man.
1: So did they not allow that when you were on a deal? Was it very much like, hey, I've got this vision for a song and I don't see it? You didn't
0: really have that the, back then when I was when I was kind of working with the label, like I didn't have that. Definitely not, man. Do you know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't have even a in the label that were like, let's say credible, who understood about the music. These were people that understood rock music or or how to do pop music or that kind of thing. And that was where that was what they were good at. That was their expertise. And then they're trying to understand this hip hop thing and they just, they just don't get it, man. Well they're not saying they don't get it now, because they have got people in position now that are working with these young artists and working with them well and developing them and getting out the right kind of music for them. But back in the day it was it wasn't like that, man. Definitely not, which is another reason I kind of moved to the independent thing and it was really like, grateful to be brought into the drum and bass scene which is like a worldwide kind of scene where we go all around the world doing shows and big festivals and that kind of thing and I tried to bring my hip-hop influence into that make it make the the, the, con- the the concepts of the tunes and that a bit more lyrical and stuff rather than just party kind of vibes you know what I mean so I kind of brought all my hip-hop influence over to drum and bass which is why people in Canada have said to me who are hip-hop heads uh, they can relate to what I'm saying. They they, they feel it, do you know what I mean, on a different level to certain other guys because it's just got that hip-hop. I do a lot of the metaphors and the similes. You know how it goes, man. We're just hip-hop kids, but we love drum and bass and grime and jungle and all these kind of derivatives of hip-hop as well.
1: You said that like half of the charts are hip-hop or like hip-hop elements or hip-hop yeah. inspired. What do you think really drew in the UK so quickly? Because it seems like... A meteoric rise in terms of you know not only to accept the music but then to also adapt it so quickly and then have so many people love it within a really short period of time like that's huge numbers we don't have that here at all yeah in terms yeah. of well, I
0: think, yeah it's, it's a lot man I mean it was there was um I think it really changed when there's a group called so solid crew who were like, they come from the garage scene, but they were sort of the forefathers of grime kind of thing because they were rapping on beats that were a little bit darker, 130 BPM tempo, and they managed to get chart hits with what they were doing. They cultivated a huge audience. They were so big on the streets. They ended up getting signed to a major. And in that case, I think the major just let them do their thing. You know what I mean? They, they came out and they, they kicked down doors. And then based off the back of that, you had the likes of Dizzy Rascal, uh, Kano, Wiley, Skepta, all that early grime kind of thing that was just, yet again, so big on the streets that labels ended up signing it because it was so popular with the young generation. So that was kind of opening doors with that. And then obviously over time you had people like Drake co-signing gigs and sceptre and it it just it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and the numbers started going up with the streams and the videos were getting millions of views and it was just you know the label's there to make money really that's that's their that's what they're about you know i mean they're not there to sign great talent unfortunately or you know their whole thing is based on what's selling what's popping what they can make money off you know i mean and and stuff in the uk did just get massively big with the audience probably through things like youtube as well and um, we had channels over here like uh, sbtv rip jamal edwards really exposed what was going on to a mainstream audience also grm daily and link up tv all these platforms have been really instrumental in sort of bringing the music to an audience and a massive audience and, and blowing it up further and further and it's been and that's that's, that's kind of happened it hasn't happened overnight it's been like really like you've been have been twisting this jar like it, oh, a bit more open, a bit more open, and then now it's just fully open and the music's everywhere. And you know the younger artists that are coming in now, they're really benefiting from all the work that Skepta, and Gigs, and Krypton Conan and there's there's so many rich there's so many names I could mention that have just been pushing and pushing this music hard for years. And like I say, in the UK, we are it isn't like always straight hip hop is a lot of grime which is obviously a bit faster a bit faster tempo drum and bass is even faster than that we like a lot of the fast stuff that is quite energetic over here but there's also like there's also like kind of more um kind of i'm not I'm gonna say standard but traditional hip hop that's just big as well like skinny man and kalashnikov and black twang who've been massive over the years do you know what i mean and there's people like the fly hooligan now who's like he's killing it so there's it's very much different styles it's very versatile over here man but we all kind of rate each other and respect each other. And I just respect anyone that's pushed it forward and got it to the stage it is now, man. Cause it's, like I said, it hasn't happened overnight. A lot of the early UK hip hop guys really struggled, man, to, to, to get anywhere. But now like it's, 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 it's just a flourishing scene. Do you know what I'm saying? It's really good.
1: I think similar to the U S like the different mm. accents within the UK really helped people find a new sound because like, The accents, the voices are different. The way you find pockets are different. The way you hit with beats is different. So I think, you know, the changing in accents and depending on where you're from really influences your ability and in terms of what you can do purely because of the way that you use words and you use language. And I think that's underappreciated in, you know, why it's so versatile. I think that plays a huge part in terms of, you know, you see... People from different parts sounding completely different. And they're like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah,
0: someone from Manchester, for instance, which is, you know, somewhere else in the country from where I'm from, is going to come with a whole different accent, a whole different twang. They, even what they would be talking about on the song would be different. The slang would be different. That makes it very versatile and very like, you know, it's like you never know what you're going to hit. A rapper from Nottingham will not rap like a rapper from London. And one thing we did have to do early doors in the UK was we had to start using our own voices and our own accent, rapping in our own accent because there were people initially kind of just emulating the American sound and copying that. And that's probably part of the reason that UK kids couldn't relate to it. But When you start doing the grime thing and making it more of a UK sound and it's like, it's our thing. We haven't got to compete with Snoop or Dre or anybody because this is our thing and we're doing it and our audience love it. And now that sound has gone sort of all, all over the world. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you look at even drill music, you know, that's, you know, there are a lot of even you sort of pop smokes, and that I was working with UK producers because that UK drill sound is kind of that, almost that same sound as that Brooklyn drill they're all doing in the states. Do you know what I mean? And and now people are looking to this country and seeing, boy, they've got their own thing, and we had to do that in the UK. We had to make our own thing rather than copy something and emulate something. It's fine to be inspired, but you should, in my mind, in hip hop, you should never copy someone else. You should try and be as, as original as possible and bring something to the table, man. I think of all the great hip hop tunes I heard over the years when I heard Come Clean by Jerry the Damager and I heard that sound, I was like, what is that? Because it wasn't, I hadn't heard nothing like that before. You know, when I first heard Wu-Tang, I was like, what is that? Well, Nas, there's no one like him before. Do you know what I'm saying? There's people you could say, oh, G-Rap, you can tell G-Rap inspired Nas and that, and you can hear it, but he definitely did his own thing and everyone has to bring their own thing to the table, their own flow. And they're the artists that will inspire the next guys to come and be original and keep this whole thing going, man.
1: Well, there's no such thing as an artist who is purely themselves. Every Mm. artist had to listen to something and subconsciously or consciously, they influence you, your style, what you respect. And you're Mm. right, there is a difference between being a biter and literally copying and going, I'm going to write down exactly how they did it and I'm going to copy them or being (laughs) influenced by what they bring to the table. And you're like, I'm going to, I want to bring that to the table, the lyricism, the flows, you mm-hmm. know, the uniqueness of it and try to it myself. Like for me, I talk about big pine on this podcast a lot. Big pine mm-hmm. to me is the best rapper of all time. Do oh, wow. because-
0: you, know yeah? like, you know what? Yeah. He's my favorite rapper of all time. I won't call him the best because that's subjective, but to me, he's my favorite rapper of all time. When people ask me, what's your top five? It sometimes changes, but pun is always at the top. Nas, uh, Biggie, Ghostface, and then it's again, it gets difficult.
1: Yeah, I always but put man, Big L in there as well. Um, I love
0: L, man. L's probably in my top 10, man. Definitely.
1: But like, Yeah, I always say, like, you know, Big Pun, his flow, his breath control, his ability to manipulate words, his, you know, just knowledge of the English language was so impressive he had so many multi-syllable rhymes he had incredible such a breadth of of range in terms of what he could really deliver so like i can understand someone going i'm going to listen to that and i want to bring the skill set that he brought i want to yeah. make sure that i have the breath control i want to make sure that and he was a big dude like he was fucking fat as shit but like mm. his technique in terms of an artist is mm. unparalleled in terms of just There's just little things that you notice the more you start listening to it, the more you actually pick up. Like, I still listen to it and still miss lyrics that I'm like, holy shit, he had the double meaning in there. And I heard that track 10 years ago.
0: Mm, No, no, for real, man. And when, like, something like uh, Super Lyrical, which he did with Blackfoot on the first album, you know, I wrote a whole, a whole thing essay on that in for, for, for university One was just breaking down how much Maltese he's doing, what these like that. It was incredible when she started because you sometimes you can listen to Pun and it's so effortless. Other rappers you can tell they're really trying to do loads of multis. And that's the pun that's how he did it. That's how it came to him. That's how his pen worked. You know what I mean? He was just incredible with it like that. Uh, but he he would he would say like I've seen interviews with him and he'd say oh, I was just building from the Rakims and I was just building on from the Canes and these and G Rap and these sort of people. So like exactly what you said, that's what people are doing off him now, and other certain rappers that brought that that skill set and that that to the table. So it's 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 to be inspired by that level and want to take it further and just add your own little twist to it. That's how things continue, man, and that's how you keep that essence as well. Do you know what I'm saying of, of what these incredible guys have brought to the table?
1: Yeah, and I mean in the UK, I know Stormzy is huge worldwide, but he's also, you know, showing that you can do both, that you don't have to just be super lyrical. You can make some pop tracks, you can make because he did yeah. he he's done he's been one of those beacons of light in terms of like you can really blow up huge. And he oh, started yeah. with like, you know, the the traditional grime scene. He very, started there and he's moved into using, you know, American beats. So it's shown that yeah. there is room for, you know, UK artists and artists all around the world to start in the scene where you grow up, yeah. but also develop yeah. and actually use beats from other areas of hip hop and really oh, yeah. flex. Definitely. Definitely, man. He's,
0: he was the, yeah, again, when we are talking about, earlier on, we are talking about the So Solid then the Dizzies and the Sceptres. He's the kind of the, if you think about it, massive part of it blowing up to the level it is now whether that's timing or anything else he was in the right place at the right time I've never met Stormzy but apparently people say he's very a nice guy as well and that sometimes goes a long way in this industry if you can spit and you're sick at what you do but you're also a nice guy and you're not bringing no drama to the table sometimes the doors open a little bit more and you get to go through than some other guys do you know what I mean so I think he benefited from that as well not having so much of ego and all that kind of thing and and like you say he was open-minded he came in rhyming on grind beats you know doing the the fire in the park thing and jumping on old z dot beats it was originally a wiley track and just killing it murking it and then he developed once he had his platform do you know what i'm saying but he can still go back and do that like he showed in that clash with wiley he can still go back and keep it ultra grimy like you said he's he he does both man so and he's he's massive over here now like he just did there's a venue called the o2 over here which is a huge venue you know when drake comes over he'll do that venue you know i mean and storms he sold out three nights in a row so you're not doing that if you're underground anymore. He's massively mainstream, but you know
1: he's he's uh, he's he's very well respected and rated at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So interesting now to think of like you know underground hip hop becoming so mainstream. Like it is because it comes like it's just it's amazing to me. But it's also mm. so interesting that like an artist can start so underground. And then all of a sudden they're mainstream, but they were doing the things that they were doing when they were underground in a way, like they're Mm. still the, yes, they develop, but they're still obviously, you know, working on themselves, but it is really cool to see the evolution of the potential of any artist to be like, Mm. hey, you can start from nothing.
0: You can literally start from nothing, man. Like Stormzy, I think I remember the first time I see him was just literally, like I said, it was one of these platforms where you just go in the booth. it's, It's a thing called behind bars, on link up tv and he created a little bars they got him in there next minute he was on the charlie sloth thing next minute he you know really stood out on that that fire in the booth cypher that you might have seen man he just blew it to bits you know what i mean everyone else was good on it but he just that was his moment so then all eyes were on him and he just he he capitalized on it man and that's that's i kind of see a parallel to myself in that because when i was brought into the drum and bass thing i was like right i'm with two of the heavyweight guys but i've got to hold my own as well so the first thing I need to do is do my own mixtape. It's fine I'm working with these guys doing loads of work with them and everyone's loving it but I want to I want to prove myself in my own way and I'm I'm going to go hell for leather and go so hard to shut down any haters and just and just and just try and make my shit so tight that you can't really hate on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't, you can hate, you might not like me, I might not be your preference, that's cool. You might prefer someone else, that, that's that's totally fine, but you can't say it's whacked. You know what I mean? You can't say the skill set isn't there and that's what I went, just went mad, like writing, writing bar after bar after bar, learning bars, doing the pirate radio thing over here, then doing the internet thing and then, you know, doing so many shows up and down the country that, you know, you, you just shut down that element of hate that comes towards you and that's, that's what Stormzy did. He took, he took the ball by the horns, he knew he had a moment and he just, he just took it and ran with it. And like you said, from nothing to what he is now, he's like an international superstar. Do you know what I mean? Which is like incredible.
1: Yeah. Have you ever had moments where you're like, maybe I won't make it. Maybe, you know, this <laughs> is way yeah, harder man. than it. Than- I, had,
0: I had a little period, man, when I was kind of a little bit negative about things and everything else. And, um, you know, like I had to get myself out of that, man. I had to get myself out of that and just like realized that, you know, things will happen at the right time. It's sometimes it's timing, man. Sometimes you want this thing so bad and like it's nothing's going into, not sliding into place and things aren't working. And like I've seen so many artists, really talented people fall to the wayside over the years because they didn't just keep going. Do you know what I mean? They didn't take certain opportunities. You know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't like when it was time to really go hard, they were so tired and drained by the industry or by, or by the struggle. They didn't, and that inspired me as well. Seeing people that are like, I I can't be that man. But you know what? It wasn't for me. Let me just break this down as well. It wasn't so much about making it. I would always rap and write bars no matter what. Even if I wasn't successful, I'd still do it anyway. I, I would never, I just, I got so much love for the whole craft of it that even if I wasn't even releasing music, I would still be writing bars, throwing up freestyles on whatever channels and just doing it purely for the fun. And I've I've never lost that element. So even when... Certain times I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll never make it to a certain level or if, or, or that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? I always just thought I'm just going to keep going because I love it, man. And I think that's what you have to do as well. You'll, you'll get more blessings and more sort of stuff thrown your way if you just keep going, keep enjoying. If you can, if you enjoy it still, some people, they, they lose their love for it. And you can hear that sometimes in the music. They're doing it. It's forced me i've never lost the love for it man i mean i was just this i was just you know out listening to um rj payne's latest thing and he's so oh, bro, the guy's incredible like i'm rewinding the bars I'm, like, I'm still like a kid with this shit man Do you know what i mean like and I'll, I'll be i'll be listening to that album again tomorrow deciphering it looking what i've missed and i'm still i'm still like that with this music Do you know what i'm saying i'm still very like a fan of it as well so in terms of sort of thinking oh, i'm never going to make it so i'm going to stop that was never really a question it was like yeah maybe i won't blow to the level i've i've wanted to Maybe I came a little bit too early before these things started getting further and further, but I would never stop doing it because I just love it too much, man. And I'm blessed now to have an audience and you know bookings and all that kind of stuff. And I love I love creating in the studio, but I'm I'm also someone who really thrives off the whole live thing. So that's why I love doing delivering it to the audience, bringing the energy to the audience, and, and watching that reaction, man. So yeah, keep the passion. That's what I'd say to people, man. If you keep your passion being the biggest or being mid-range or being underground.
1: if You've got your passion for it and you enjoy it and you'll you'll continue and you'll start to thrive, man. Do you know what I mean? I think it's interesting because it's like, do you want to be a full-time artist or do you want to be like mm. your Stormzy level big? And there's a difference between the yeah. two because you can still be a full-time artist, make good money, be successful. You know, you won't be recognised the way Stormzy's recognised where he walks down the street and he gets mobbed but Mm. you can still be professional. You can still literally not work a full, like it's, you know, artist is a full-time job, but you don't have to have a boss. You don't have to have a traditional nine to five type role, but if that's what you want, it's gettable. But I think Mm. a lot of people get attracted to, and to be honest, I'm one of them. Like I look Mm. at people like, for me, it's like Joe Rogan, right? In podcasting Mm. and Joe Biden, I look for whatever reason, Joe's are doing really well as a name. That's a different topic, but, um, but I look at them and I'm like, they are so recognizable and they're bigger than almost the genre. They carried it forward, um, mm. especially Joe Budden in hip-hop, but like, you know, do I want to do this full-time or do I want to be as big? Ideally both, but like the dream is to go full-time podcaster in the same way that the dream is to go full-time artist because it's mm. just a different type of life that you're living
0: yeah no of course man and then you wake up in the morning you, you haven't got to think about jumping into the rush hour traffic you've got to think about oh, I've got to write this tune or I've got to like you know I've got a deadline for this feature or you know I've got to uh, I've got to uh, you know do something like this it's, and, and this is all fun stuff to me do you know what I'm saying so that's the blessing that comes with being full-time artists whether you're kind of mainstream or whether you're on the level of you're just a working artist you know what I mean who's I've always said if I don't have to get a nine to five I'm just so cool with that <laughs> all I've got to do is music. I'm so cool with that because that's such a blessed position to be in. You know what I mean? When people, there's people, there's talented people that still have to work in factories and go work in offices every day and they they haven't got the time for whatever reason because certain things not to put into their music or or their real passion. You know, I've got all this time to put into this music and, and what I'm passionate about. So I feel very blessed for that. Whether I'm mainstream, underground, known in some countries, international, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I feel very blessed to be able to just do music every day, man that's a good position to be
1: in. Well, I mean, I'm not full-time podcaster, so Mm. I have a normal job that pays the bills and -hmm. it's like, and I've had people ask me before, like, how do you make the time? And it's like, well, I want it. So I make the time, you know, that's, that's that's what it is as simple as it is. Like, I don't look at it as how do I make the time? I look at it as what can I do more with the time that I've got? And, 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 and like, You know, I still work out, see my friends, go to all those kinds of things. But, like, I also dedicate time every weekend in the mornings. Like, it's 7 a.m. right now in Melbourne, and I have work after this. So, like, when people ask me, you know, how do you have the time? Will you make the time? Because I'm going to be up before everyone else is up to do this. I I don't give a shit. This is a dream come true to talk to people like you. Like, (laughs) if I was a kid like, this is a dream. This is crazy levels of like, you know, I would even have this opportunity. So this isn't, I always say this isn't work to me. This is like pleasure. Yeah. This is this is fun because yeah. I'm talking about a genre of music. I like with mm-hmm. musicians. I'm always impressed by and mm-hmm. every artist is interesting. There's not one mm-hmm. artist is not, they, they're all interesting in their own way. And, you know, that's why I say I don't plan the questions on the show because yeah. I actually want to know about you. I want to know your opinions. So mm. that's what it is. And I think that's a really good point you made is like you would rap regardless of whether you made money. And yeah, I would yeah, continue yeah. this regardless of whether I made money mm. because it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. much fun. So I think mm. that is a really good like just jumping off point whereas if you love it enough, you'll mm. never give up on it.
0: No, no, definitely not, man. Definitely not. That's that's the whole thing. If you retain that passion and that love, and like you said, it's fun for you. You know, it's fun for me. When I, I buzz out in the studio all the time, some people, oh, I don't want to go to the studio. I'm like, you're mad. I'd be in there all, if I could be in there all week just making tunes, but that's what I do. Obviously, I've got other stuff I've got to do, shows and there's like business meetings and all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? But that's and I just love the shows. And the studio. And that, and that's, that's my passion, man. That's what carries me forward. There's always another beat that's going to inspire me. There's always another artist I'm going to hear that I want to get on a tune and and vibe with and push my levels up through working with them and be inspired by them. There's always another challenge. And people say, oh, but you, you've been around for a minute, brother. How, how do you keep writing? It's like, because there's always a new story. There's always something going on in my life or there's always something I'm seeing on the telly or there's always something crazy like this COVID thing that went down. Do you know what I mean? There's always something new to, to gain inspiration from and talk about in your music, man. So the story never ends and the journey never ends if you retain that passion, that love for it and, and just that drive to just keep pushing yourself forward, man. I'm never happy. I'd always want to beat my last tune, my last EP. I'd always want to make the next one better than that rather than just, oh, have you got to put something out, man? Do you know what I mean? Like Some people just get to that stage where they lose the passion and drive. And I think you sometimes hear that in the music a little bit. And some people are honest about it. They say sometimes they just have times where they just have the writer's block and all that and they need inspiration and stuff. But um, yeah, like you said, man, you make time for it. And if you really love it, the
1: passion's what carries you forward, man. Do you think people with writer's block, they just don't write enough? Part of me thinks like sometimes you just got to put the pen to the pad, even if, if yeah. it's garbage. Like you, yeah, you, you to, force yourself. Yeah, you've
0: to, totally. you got. To, I, was, I say you got to keep this tap switched on, man. Do you know what I mean? It's so like you know, like sometimes I sometimes I work on a tune, or if, it happens a lot actually. I'll, I'll I'll write just because I've got to keep in the mode. I've got to keep on that thing, and some tunes will never come out because the beat isn't up to the level of other. You know what I mean? You've got standard of stuff, but you have to just keep in the midst of it. You have to keep doing what you do, and you can't wait for the ultimate beat or the ultimate feature or the ultimate opportunity. You've just got to be in the mix, to, in it. You got to be in it to win it, man. If you're not in it, and you're not like it's like like you mentioned the athlete earlier or a boxer. They don't stop training, man. They never stop training. Or a football player, you don't. You don't. You train constantly for that t- for that time when you've got to go and score. Or that time you've got to get in the ring. You know what I mean? You keep training. You keep in that beast, that beast mode, that beast mentality, and sort of not not putting the pen down is part of that, definitely. Or if you're or if you're a producer, you don't stop making beats because you're not particularly inspired. You go in there and you try and crank it out because you never know when that that gem's going to come. Do you know what I mean?
1: I think part of the reason is like, you don't know what you've got until you got it in a Mm, way. mm, Like there's mm. so many stories of artists who think that their songs suck. They don't like the beat. They don't like what they did on it, but because they did something experimental, then they drop it and the consumer loves it and it makes them go huge.
0: So it's like,
1: like there's a story about Havoc and his beat. um, Oh, the classic beat. Uh I forget it, forget what it was called, but Havoc has a beat with on Mob Deep where he, he wanted to trash it. And really? Prodigy was like, What are you doing? This is the best beat ever. Yeah, and he yeah. was just Havoc wasn't happy with it, but yeah, yeah, they kept yeah. it because Prodigy was like, No, this is amazing. But mm. like, because you're hard on yourself, you mm. sometimes don't see the gold that's right in front of your face and mm. you kind of get down on yourself because you trash it and you're like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Mm. Like you never know until you put it out. No, exactly. You never
0: know how it's going to resonate with people, man. And that's why it's good to have a good team of people around you as well. Not, not yes, man, that kind of vibe, but people that just, you know, will sometimes tell you, no, the tune's hard or that. No, you don't need to record that verse. It's perfect. You need those kind of people in the studio, trusted people that know the music and know you as an artist. And someone like, if you look at, like you mentioned Mob Deep, man, they're one of my favourite groups of all time. I just I love Prodigies, like, to me, one of the greatest MCs. And Havoc Speaks, man, like, incredible. So their relationship was one of those relationships where it's obviously if Havoc wasn't, like, too up on it, but Prodigy would say, no, nah, no, nah, we got to go through with this. And it probably worked vice versa for them as well. Do you know what I mean? All those great groups that have actually come together. I don't think there's not enough groups now, man. There's too many. Everyone's solo, like, groups were a good theme because it's the meeting of the minds coming together. You've got to think about some of the groups back in the day. And even, even the Griselda thing now, you know, being Benny and Conway and... West Side Gun, you know what I mean? They, they they probably all inspire each other and probably Wu is even the greatest inspiration like having eight or nine MCs or just all coming to the table with crazy ideas, flows and styles inspiring each other. You know what I mean? It's like once you get that sort of energy in a room, it's, it can be powerful, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I heard with Wu-Tang, Wizard would give, they'd all sometimes rap on a tune, but whoever had the best verse would get it. And it sometimes didn't have to be Method Man, who was probably the star player at the time. Sometimes it could be you, God. He just came better that day. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that was what made them special, was an entity and what makes kind of groups and minds coming together. And it pushes it forward, like you said, because we never know, man, how it might have scrapped that beat. And that might have been Shook 1's too. I don't know what the beat was. but That's what
1: it was, Shook 1's Part 2. That's the exact was, beat. Which is, which, which is, the to me... The, the
0: greatest hip hop beat of all time and he wanted to scrap it. So
1: <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of people don't do groups anymore because it's, you know, everyone and Slaughterhouse have their issues right now um, mm-hmm. with them breaking up and, and whatever's going on in that front. But I think the challenge is that, like, every artist or most, I won't say every, most artists want to be solo artists and then want to have mm-hmm. their own time in the sun rather than being with a group and you see it not only in hip hop, but in pop, in rock music, bands just break up. You start to get egos and you start to have your own vision of what your own career looks like. So I think that's the challenges that people are starting to be like, I just see they all end up fighting at some point (laughs) and they all end up breaking up. because It
0: gets tricky, man. It does get tricky. Do you know what I mean? But um, yes, when
1: it comes together, it's incredible at the same time, man. Do you know what I mean? What can I say? I think do what's right for you. But man, um, I always always wanted to ask, because um, I know you've got projects coming out, but I've got one more question for you and then we'll plug yeah, cool some man. projects for you. But um, this is the only question that I plan on the podcast is probably the hardest question that I asked. But if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once, to get an appreciation of it can be any genre of music it can't be your own obviously (laughs) um what would it be because i know artists artists have tried to plug their own stuff and i'm like we'll plug you that's why you're here but
0: someone was saying to me the other day like oh like you put your name in the top 10 drum and bass in season you've got to include yourself and i'm like no i'm taking i don't i'm not in that man i can't even to be honest i i find sometimes i have to listen to my music to learn it but once I've done something in the studio, I'm just on to the next thing. I don't really listen to my own
1: shit. So that's not me, man. But anyway. I'm the same with the podcast, to be honest. Yeah. I edit it and I make sure it's good and I put it out, but I don't go back. And I'm not like, that was the best episode. I'm going to listen to my voice again. And I'm going to listen to how I speak on that. Like I, uh, there yeah. are moments I can enjoy. There are like little clips that I can enjoy. But oh. yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Like once it's yeah. done, you put it out there. All right, next thing.
0: Yeah, so I think the album for me that I would just say anyone go and check it out. It's just a beautiful piece of work, man. It's a to me, it's a masterpiece. It, it's is Nas Ilmatic. You know, when I heard that one of the I just thought it was the perfect album. Do you know what I'm saying? Like just the way that Large Professor and Q tip and obviously Primo and even even um LES The Life's a Bitch record and only having one feature at the time, and it was just all about Nas and his story. And it just, it just captivated me and my friend, my best friend Driscoll, as a kid, man. We would just we just played the album over and over and over and over. And I think if you if you like, you don't even have to really be into hip hop to appreciate it because it's just beautiful music, man. Like the world is yours, the piano on it. It's just to me, it's a, it's a flawless album, man. There's, I think there's one average song in on there, one time for your mind. It's not like amazing,
1: but you know, one yeah, filler. Well, some people might might hate on you for that, uh, yeah. people, But you know. But to be fair, it is an iconic album. It influenced so many people, and it changed the genre as well for, like, what people were talking about. You can talk about the landscape. You can talk about, you know, more than just your own experiences. You can mm. talk about more things than than that, I think, for for what it did for not only music but for hip-hop specifically oh, yeah, was undeniable. Definitely, man. Cool, well, brother. Well, man. Yeah, man. Obviously, talk, got,
0: man. I'm going to have to do a part two and I've got a little bit more time, man.
1: For sure. You're a busy man. But talk to me. You've got things dropping. You've got projects coming out. Uh, what can people look out for? Obviously, they can follow you on IG, uh, sure. Harry Shoda. But like real
0: Harry Shutter on there, but um, yeah, watch for some new drum and bass music dropping real soon. Lyrical drum and bass vibes got loads of stuff coming out, I'm working on a hip hop project as well. So there'll be a lot coming out real soon, man. And we'll, you'll see us on the roads, man. We'll be hopefully back in Australia soon as well. It's been a while, obviously, I've been to New Zealand, Australia many times. So it'd be good to get out and connect with you, man. If, I'm out, if you're out there, man, do you know what I mean? When I am and everything as well,
1: for sure. Well, I've got the studio ready to hear, I've got the couch. Um, so like it is ready for when people come out, we can do this in person, but definitely would love to have you back on the show, but obviously make sure you check out Harry, make sure you check him out on Spotify, YouTube. And as we said, he's got some amazing tracks and, you know, Jack of all trades dropped, uh, as well. And so make sure you check out that single. That's really catchy. I was listening to
0: Carousel, man. That's my boy. Yeah. I was listening to to
1: that today. Um, and I love this, the swing on, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, I was like, remember to say this, but Jack of all trades, master of some, I love that line in there. Um, <laughs> it just, I don't know, it just, it just hit me. I was like, oh, that's actually really good. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, man, absolute pleasure to have you on the show and appreciate you giving me the time.
0: Thank you very much, brother. Wicked, man. Take care.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now